When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it, a best of Hail Varsity Radio coming to you today as we recap some of our favorite interviews over the past months and years. And we're going to start this one off with a good one, a legend around Nebraska. It's Ron Brown kicking us off on today's best of Hail Varsity Radio. Longtime assistant with Nebraska and senior offensive analyst, we say out of Ron Brown. Coach, how we doing? Are you, you ready for some popcorn and some candy, maybe a soda for a, for a movie tonight? Thanks for the time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that sounds like that sounds like a good time, Schmitty. Um, uh, and uh, I, I miss those days. So yeah, that, that would be uh, that'd be fun. Well, it, it is uh, an era that Nebraska fans are are so excited about and remember well the uh, the championship run and uh, day by day is uh, it's been a long time in the works pandemic and all and uh, it premieres tonight. Coach, what what are you excited about when it comes to this story? There's a couple of different themes with it and talking with the director Justin and also talking with Josh Davis about this project that really a passion project for him and they the 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 journey to to win a championship you were a part of that journey and then also uh to maintain that that bar to maintain that standard and it's covered in both instances with this day-by-day uh, -day movie you know committee um when i came to nebraska uh, coach osborne hired me in 1987 to come coach the wide receivers, tight ends, and wingbacks. Um, you know, I, I knew I was a part of something special. Um, where I had grown up on the East Coast, all, Nebraska was kind of bigger than life when it came to football and was a top-five team at the time. I came from out of the Ivy League. I was the youngest coach in the Ivy League uh, at my school, Brown University, um, very new coach, didn't really know a whole lot of anything, was a defensive coach. Coach Osborne hired me as an offensive coach here. So I, everything kind of felt like over my head to a degree. Mm -hmm. I was in a big-time football state. But, you know, what was what was interesting about it, Schmitty, is that we lost seven straight bowl games. I thought it was my fault. <laughs> uh, seven straight bowl games. Nebraska loses. and But, but when you look at it, Schmitty, we were playing against rigorous competition in those bowl games, and um, it just brought out a lot of things. It exposed who we were. Yeah, we were a top-five team that began to decline slowly. By 1990, after seven straight bowl losses, uh, well, in the middle of that seven straight bowl loss deal, in 1990, um, Coach Osborne told us, hey, if you guys can get new jobs, you better get them because – 
they, they look like they want to fire us. Everybody stuck with it. We dug down deep and the rest was history. But there was a process. It didn't just happen overnight. God's blessing, yes, uh, was upon our program in, in many ways, not just because we were winning, but there was a resilience about that staff, about that team, certainly Coach Osborne, that was um, uh, really very unusual, unparalleled in many ways. So I was a part of the of the decline and that rise, which kind of resurged again starting in 1991. Ron Brown's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, why why was there a decline? And, and growing up, I watched those teams. You lived those teams. And the teams that Nebraska was losing to were teams that would end up winning the national championship, be it Washington or Florida, or I should say a Miami, and, and then Florida State or an Oklahoma, right? I mean, or, or Colorado. I mean, why the decline? And then how did you reconfigure? How, how did you start the rise part what what did you guys do different i think you know and, and maybe each assistant coach you know we were all there a, a lot of years mm-hmm. maybe have a may have a different view on it here's my view my view coming out of the out of the uh from 1987 through 1989 we were a top five team that was pretty good that was pretty strong during the course of the regular season uh, we even knocked off uh, a UCLA, for example, in 1987, a Troy Aikman-led team. But then 1988, they come back and beat us. You know, we're just not a dominant team. We're a really good team. And then um, Colorado begins to rise. And uh, in, in 1990, we really struggle. We, we, uh, we lose um, – I believe it was uh, four games that year, three, maybe three games – it was the first time that we um, were just about – we were clearly out of the top ten, and we ended up losing to Georgia Tech in the Citrus Bowl. We ended up 24th in the nation, and that's when Coach Osborne sat us down in a meeting as, as that season ended, and he said, if you guys can get new jobs, mm-hmm. you better go because we're probably gone. Well, nobody left, Schmitty, and Coach Osborne dug his heels deep into the earth – uh, that's when we started to formulate the the uh, unity council. And what I really noticed the most, Schmitty, was there was a humility. There wasn't a, a, a pointing of the finger. There was a pointing of the thumb. The thumb meaning that we had to look deep within ourselves. Our recruiting had gone downhill. Our, our, our evaluation of talent, uh, we were taking shortcuts and Coach Osborne began to say, look, we have we have uh, friction between our strength staff and our training staff. We're not all on the same page here, there, the other. Our recruiting has gotten a little sloppy. Um, he said, this has all got to end. And without firing anybody and, and um, having a huge turnover and without anybody else leaving, um, we, we began to make in-house changes within our program that needed to take place um talking about the the um, camaraderie between strength staff and training staff where they have to be on the same page our recruiting uh got got had had to be addressed all those things and slowly but surely Schmitty, we started to move in a different direction 
Ron Brown's with us. Day by day documentary debuts tonight at the Rococo Theater, The Rise. Coach Brown, what input did you have when it comes to reconfiguring the recruiting, the evaluation part? What what did you want to do? What what did you do when it came to going and get get uh, get players? Well, I think our problem, Schmitty, was we had we had veteran coaches who had had a lot of success in that area, but. Um, you know, we were always a national recruiting uh, program. Uh, Coach Osborne was was always most concerned with the greater 500-mile radius. Mm-hmm. And we, we couldn't lose players out of there. Well, we were kind of floating around the country going here and there. And the, we really, the geographic area coach, we all had a different geographic area. Each one of those coaches began, had a lot of say in who we recruited. And to, to, to our demise, because, you know, it's a very natural thing, Smitty, for each assistant coach to want to, and, and this is true about human nature, to have the most recruits, uh, you know, on the, on the staff. We have, it's a friendly competition. Who's going to really do a good job recruiting? So a lot of times, sometimes you might want to take a guy out of your geographic area that may not be the very best player mm. for another position that you don't coach. And so Coach Osborne recognized that, look, we're, we've got to tighten the ship up here. And so he created what I call a four-tier system where he said, look, not only are we going to have the geographic coach covering an area, but we're also going to put a pos- the position coach. If there's a, For example, if there's a – Coach Brown, if there's an offensive lineman in your area, I want Milt Tenniper to have some say in that, who was our offensive line mm-hmm. coach at the time. I want him to have some say in that as well. He also um, uh, brought in Dave Gillespie, who was our recruiting coordinator, and said, I want Dave to weigh in very heavily here. And then he put himself in the equation and said, and I'm going to get the final set. That was not normally Coach Osborne's demeanor. His demeanor was more, hey, I'm going to trust you guys. I'll let you guys go with it. Everybody knows how to work hard. But he realized at this point we needed – not just greater effort, but we needed smarter effort. We needed more eyes on each prospect. And so um, <laughs> that's what took place. Wow. And it really, really turned the corner. And starting in 1991, we were, I think we just had a much greater edge in the recruiting. Not, not that we recruited everybody that Notre Dame recruited. Mm-hmm. We had our own system. And look, we didn't have to copy anybody else. What worked for us? What type of kids do we need? We want to obviously continue to get the very best walk-on candidates that we could get. The 500-mile radius was really re-emphasized, and if we're going to go on a kid outside of the 500-mile radius, he, he better be awfully good. And if we make a mistake, if we make a mistake, if we bring in a kid and we realize, oh, boy, he's not as good as we thought he was, Coach Osborne's comment was, well, we better we better correct the mistake. We gotta we better make sure that it's not a mistake mm-hmm. by developing him and getting the most out of his talent. And mm-hmm. I'll tell you that I think worked fantastically. I think that was what needed to take place in the recruiting, and it did. Ron Brown's with us, uh, Hale Varsity Radio, longtime Nebraska assistant, day by day. A uh, little look see into the, the the different type of player Nebraska went after the four different tiers.
that uh, was part of the process. Coach, uh, while I have you on here, uh, a quick reaction to the new world of college football. We've been talking recruiting and how you guys shifted, changed. What is your take on Portal and NIL from a specific standpoint of it feels like Nebraska's done a great job of adapting to this new normal? Yeah, we'll, we'll see, Shemetti. You know, I'm, I'm always a believer that you, you don't really truly get a true indication on your recruiting until until the player's career is over. Yeah. Uh, so, so you look back and you say, well, who, who are the best recruiters? Well, go back and look and see what players came here and really played extremely well. Who, who was consistently showing up as the guys that were recruiting them? Those are the best recruiters. Who are the best recruits? Go back and look at their careers. There's a variety of ways. There's a lot of ways to peel the potato, but you got to make sure the knife is sharp. And part of the knife being sharp, Schmitty, is looking under the hood. And looking under the hood means you don't just look at the pretty car sitting in the driveway. You want to turn the you want to turn that car on and see if the car is going to go anywhere. Does it have a great engine? Is it going to go fast? Is it going to be durable? And 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 all of that will require looking under the hood, not just looking at it. You have to get it out there and get it test run. And that is what recruiting needs to be. Transfer portal, it makes it harder to do that. It's more difficult to really uh, test a guy, but you can at least get a feel for a transfer portal guy who's been playing much somewhere else. You can kind of get a feel like if we're taking a kid who comes from the West Coast, let's say he's transfer portal, we can watch his college games and at least get an indication about how that guy uh, can work. Mm -hmm. There's usually a reason why people are transferring, so we want to make sure for right reasons and for good motives we're getting the right guy who has right motives because not all the transfers turn out well. Uh, NIL, um, <laughs> boy, that's that's a whole different different deal to me. And it, it, it seems like amateurism has um, moved on from college sports. Um, so that that world is uh, is a whole nother world. I hope it's controllable. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, I, I it is part of the deal that we have. We have to try to make the wisest use that we possibly can without breaking rules and um hopefully we do it the right way and and college football does it the right way but i feel bad for the sport in some ways because of that i feel bad for the kids because this has now become very professionalized and it's it's gotten competitive outside of the boundaries that normal really good amateur com competition breeds so We'll see. That's a wait and see from me. Ron Brown's with us, Hale Varsity Radio, of course, uh, at Nebraska. Senior offensive analyst, Coach Frost, before that, uh, a lot of years as an assistant in Lincoln. Coach, uh, quick thought here. Uh, one of a, a true gentleman passing away. A quick reflection on Al Papik while I have you. Uh, yeah, Al. Al's such a tremendous man, uh, a great man. Um, Excellent administrator, um, excellent ball coach. You know, he had such great experience as a coach, but he was a, a great, a great man in terms mm -hmm. of just the, the kind of person he was. Very warm. I knew his family very well. I knew uh, 
his son-in-law was Ray Henning, um, who was an outstanding coach. And I know Ray's wife is Marsha, who is the son of, of Al. And so we miss Al. Uh, um, he, he just fit so many. When we brought him at the University of Nebraska, he fit so many of the 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 just the areas of of uh, of that program that needed special attention. He was, like I said, an excellent administrator, but he was a good man. He's a guy that you could just go in and sit down and talk with, and uh, his interpretation of rules and compliance. He's an honest man, so we'll we'll miss out very very much. Coach, thanks for your your time on. Not just day by day. Thanks for your reflection on Al Papik, and thanks for kind of laying out some some thoughts here on this new era of college football. We'll do this again. Always love having you on. You bet, Shmini. Anytime, buddy. God bless you. Listening to the best of Hale Varsity on ESPN Lincoln. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. The best of Hale Varsity Radio rolls on today as we go back to December for this one, where we caught up with Jack Pierce as he discussed recruiting Mickey Joseph and more. Well, I tell you what, Mickey Joseph was one of the smartest and most athletic kids I ever recruited. He's he had a great mind for football. He played under Hank Tierney at Shaw, mm-hmm. and uh, then he came up here. Great parents. He had great parents. Uh, had a, but, but a couple of brothers who were pretty good athletes too. Mm-hmm. Jack, let's but he was fun to recruit. He was a good kid. Let's go back to to that moment. I mean, and Mickey was. The, the National Gatorade Player of the Year. I mean, top option quarterback, you get him. You always did incredible work down in, in New Orleans and in Louisiana with your recruiting. And and take me through that process years ago to, to get Mickey to Lincoln. Well, we had the offensive and the defensive player of the year uh, in Reggie Cooper mm-hmm. and Mickey Joseph. Uh LSU didn't like it very much, or Alabama didn't like it, but <laughs> worked out that way. So, what, what was it uh, like thought, trying to get him? Huh? What was it like trying to get Mickey to to commit to Lincoln? Well, I I, I tell you what, it, it was uh, we we spent a lot of time with him. You know, uh, his 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 parents were very inquisitive, very intelligent people. And they wanted to know all about it, you know what I mean? And uh, then uh, on the final visit, uh, I brought uh, Tom down there. And uh, I, I would have to say Tom sealed the deal. Was it a, a situation? Was It a do- it had to be a dogfight, didn't it, for the uh, number one player in the country, the number one option quarterback? I mean, you in Oklahoma? <laughs> Was that who it came down to? Well, that's what won it for us, Schmitty. I got to tell you, Tom and I were flying down to see to see uh, Mick, and uh, we had to fly through Chicago to get to New Orleans. And uh, luckily, Tom picked up a newspaper in Chicago, and uh, 
the headline on the sports page was that uh, that Notre Dame had signed the best drop back, six foot four, two hundred and something pound quarterback from some school in Illinois there, and it just uh, got a commitment from them. And Tom's explanation when we got down there, he brought the paper down there and showed it to him and said to him, you're an option quarterback. What do you think they're going to do with you? <laughs> Defensive and back. that sealed the deal. Well, that worked. What was it? Was it pretty? Was it yeah, pretty fierce? I couldn't read at that time, so Tom was lucky <laughs> enough to read it to me. So, when it comes to kind of generating that that relationship, that rapport, Jack Pierce with us at Hale Varsity talking Mickey Joseph. Jack, what was the um, what was the the end? Obviously, the, the newspaper in Chicago didn't hurt, but uh, just uh, how, how did Nebraska kind of? grow with with Mickey at the time when you got Oklahoma, you got Clemson, you got Notre Dame, and then you guys have been winning a lot of ball games anyway as well in the Big Eight. Well, we ran the kind of offense uh, Tierney ran at Shaw, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And we would show, I would show him film of, uh, film of uh, our offense and just kind of related to him to pick himself out in his film. What what guy are you? Mm-hmm. You know, and of course we would reflect on the quarterback because uh, he he could uh, he was a, a just Smitty was so smart mm-hmm. at the game of football. Uh, he he saw right away that he would uh, he would have a great chance here. What was were you guys down there for Mickey's announcement? Yeah. Yeah. What happened with that? We couldn't go on a school ground, but he wanted to sign at school. And so I had a table set up at the park where there was an eight-foot fence, and Mickey signed uh, on. We stayed on the park side. He stayed on the high school side with all the people around him. Is this a snow fence you brought down? <laughs> oh, no, no. I, had, I got Hank Tierney uh, to find a, you know, I said, you know, we got to find something where we got a barrier, you know, but we got to, uh, and he had a friend of his that uh, put the fence up for that day. So technically you guys were on city property, not on school grounds. No, you're right, exactly. Well, it's just like Reggie. I had to sign Reggie on the in the street on the hood of a Cadillac. Reggie Cooper. How, yeah. How did, yeah. How did that go over with Reggie signing on a Cadillac? Yeah, that was on the Times Picayune cover thing. Uh, it said uh, Cooper signs. I think it said something like Cooper signs with Nebraska. Mm-hmm. What do you think he got? Uh, from them, and it showed the picture was taken up through the Cadillac decal onto him signing. So it's hey, come to Nebraska, get a Cadillac, right? (laughs) Jack Jack Pierce is with us, uh, incredible recruiter for Nebraska, assistant coach, uh, recruited Mickey Joseph to Lincoln, and uh, Mickey is back in Lincoln. Uh, Have you been pretty proud, I would assume so, of of Mickey's career? And, And he started out at Omaha North, his first job out in Nebraska as a high school coach. And, man, he's been a lot of spots. He's had a lot of roles. 
I mean, he's done it all. Oklahoma, uh, Northwest Oklahoma, yeah. Northeast Oklahoma or something like that. Yeah, he's done it all at a lot of spots, and he's been great uh, for LSU. Uh, when it, he's been a great recruiter for them, yeah. and, and he's, a, he's a great coach, too. I've talked to a few people that have been around him, you know what I mean, when he was coaching, and uh, Mickey's got a great feel for the game. His brother was head coach at Denver. Yeah, Vance. Yeah, Vance, one of the best in the NFL defensively, for sure. So what's what's the um, what's what's your I guess projection here with with Mickey and what can he do in Lincoln? Well, I I tell you what what do they what do they got him as uh, recruiting coordinator? They've got and, him as his passing game coordinator, uh, associate head coach, and wide receivers coach. Oh boy, they they filled that bill real good. Yeah, um, Mickey. Mickey knows the passing game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what? Uh, he, he, he's he been involved with that, though, that offensive side of the ball for a long time. Mm-hmm. So uh, schemes, uh, offensive passing schemes ought to come easy. I wonder how they're going to mesh that with the running game in terms of who's going to coach it. You know what I mean? I wonder if Scotty will coach it. Well, that's interesting because you're still waiting on – Offensive line coach, running back coach, special teams. You've got Mickey, of course, with the passing game and wide receiver. I want, I don't know this, but I wonder if they're going to go with, all right, Mickey, you do you handle the passing. Let's get an O-line coach in that will also be run yeah. game coordinator and yeah, they kind of tag be. team it. That could be, yeah. No, um, uh, Mickey's, when you sit down and listen to Mickey talk, uh, in the coaches' meetings, he, he demands attention. You know what I mean? Because he's, he's, he knows the schemes. He understands where it's coming from. And while he was here, he saw what kind of offensive line you need to do it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We haven't seen that. Now, Jack, another one of the reasons why Mickey was brought in was because of his recruiting prowess. So I, I want to ask you, being the guy that recruited him, is it are you the reason that he is such a good recruiter? Did you rub off on him? And does is, is everything he know come from you? Oh, God. <laughs> I hope nobody rubs off. I hope nobody gets any part of me like that. <laughs> oh, there's too many bad parts. Um, he's... He... It's his personality, you know what I mean? He comes in there, uh, from what I understand, I've never been with him in a room to recruit, but uh, he comes in there and shows basically what Tom told him. You know, this is what, this is the kind of person you'll be in our scheme, you know what I mean? And I got to tell you guys that, uh, uh, if we get a foothold in Louisiana again, I don't know that I don't know that we won't rise. I, I've been skeptical about us making a quick rise to the top. But uh, if he can if he can pull a bunch of kids, and I think that's how we got Mickey too. Mm-hmm. We had a bunch of kids from South Louisiana. You guys made it a pri- priority to go down there, Jack. Just from your time down south, is is that where? How did you get your foothold in in, in uh, New Orleans? We were fresh. We 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 hadn't been there before. I got to tell you, we played 
uh, Oklahoma that year and got beat. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the free safety had an interception, and he had about a dozen tackles. And he was from uh, he was from New Orleans, okay. Madonna High School. And uh, what was his name? I just tried Savoy. I think it was Savoy or something like that. And I told Tom we sat down and we wanted to add speed to the to the mixture at Nebraska. And I said, well, we don't ever go in there. We never go test it, you know. Mm-hmm. We got to go in and test it. So prior to going in there physically, I did a lot of high school coach calling mm-hmm. and uh, talked to them and tried to get their feel whether they uh, whether they uh, whether they would think that one of their kids might venture this far north. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the first school I went to was the high school coach was Carol Delehuse. First guy I ever met in Louisiana coach, head coach. And Bobrich and uh God, they spoke different, they ate different. It just asked Brian Kelly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That, that's been a nightmare. That's what's gonna happen with him. He's not gonna be able to sit down and when they show film and and the high school coach says, who the ball got? <laughs> or who the ball caught? Yeah. You know? No, you got another yeah. lingo down there. Jack Pierce and, with but, us. God, that was my problem, too, though. And I just said to him, there's a group of coaches, head coach and myself sitting watching film. And one of the coaches said, who the ball got? And I, for couple minutes I sat there thinking what the hell is he talking about <laughs> well, they, they, gotta, they gotta talk Jack Jack you're a, you're a treasure yeah. bud thanks for jumping on with us today man you bet you bet hey thanks for having me appreciate you tell what? everybody I am alive All right, we got <laughs> Jack Pierce with us and now and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. A Tuesday best of edition of Hale Varsity Radio rolls on today as Schmitty is on the way back home from North Carolina where he accepted a award for Nebraska Sportscaster of the Year. So big congratulations out to Schmitty. I know he's been uh, spending his weekend hanging out with Charles Barkley. Uh, Scott Van Pelt, Ernie Johnson, and more excited to hear all about that. As Schmitty will be back with us for a Wednesday edition of Hale Varsity Radio tomorrow from 4 to 6. I uh, have actually pre-recorded this. I am out of the baseball fields right now umpiring. And uh, big thanks to Will Wilson, who's currently sitting in the studio, taking you through this show here today. As we just heard from Jack Pierce, our interview back in December with Jack, as uh, he had some good insight about uh, one of the Huskers' newest assistant coaches, Mickey Joseph. He uh, had a big part in recruiting Mickey Joseph uh, to Nebraska back in the day, and it's uh, good to hear from Jack again. Got some good stuff coming your way in Hour 2, as we'll have Tom Osborne. He sat down with us just a couple months ago to talk about the new day-by-day documentary. So uh, we'll be hearing from Tom Osborne leading off hour two. Also have Tom Rathman coming up two segments with Tom as uh, we talked about his 49ers Super Bowl runs, uh, as well as uh, the Bengals and the Rams. We sat down with Tom before Super Bowl week 
Uh, so we'll hear all about that uh, coming up here in hour two. Uh, so uh, a good best of Hail Varsity Radio. It's good to do this every once in a while to sit back and remind you of some of our favorite interviews over the past years uh, and months. And we're going to do that here now with you as a guy that might be counted on a lot in that Husker offensive line room following news that Nuruddin Nueli will be ineligible for the 2022 season. We talked about it on the show yesterday. Nuruddin uh, getting popped for a positive drug test in the NCAA, ruling him ineligible. Coach Scott Frost has said uh, that he will be a part of the practice team this year and will be a full member of the team while he serves his one-year suspension. That leaves a big hole in the Husker offensive line. A lot of names that could fill that gap. Brock Bando is a guy who's been here for a couple years now waiting to get his chance. Uh, you also have Henry Litovsky, a pretty sought-after group from Iowa, who apparently the coaching staff is pretty high on. He has a chance to fill that starting left guard spot as well. And a guy who's played some left guard, some right guard, some tackle, all of the above, and is a product of Omaha North, that is Kevin Williams. Uh, if you remember, Kevin Williams is a transfer into Nebraska this season. He is a guy uh, who is also going to be vying for that left guard spot, I am sure. And uh, Kevin spent a couple years at Northern Colorado, so he probably has the most experience of any of those guys and then uh, he entered his name into the transfer portal uh, he's in Lincoln right now and he's going to be vying for that left guard spot this fall we caught up with Kevin whenever he committed back on signing day in December so here is our sit down with Kevin Williams Jr. a guy who's going to be vying for some starting time on Nebraska's offensive line this fall we say hi to Kevin Williams uh, Jr. on the offensive line uh, from northern Colorado to Nebraska Kevin thanks for joining us here on Hale Varsity how's your day? So far, so good. It's been crazy, man. I'm excited. Yeah, I, I bet you are excited. And kind of take us through your, I, I guess, priority list. What was most important to you when it came to finding a new school? You know, for me, you know, coming out of high school, you kind of worry about little of the small stuff like uniforms and facilities and kind of like different things and the tweaks they can give you. This time around, I was more worried about the coaches and what the expectations was and how the culture was with the team and really kind of just – how the mess level will be as far as, you know, being coached by them and you know, how I can take feedback from how they give feedback and how they run everything and what their priority are as a team as well. You know, what do they see what do they see in the future for the team and what is their intention behind everything? You know, meeting with Coach Riola and Coach Frost and Coach Whipple, that's what I, my biggest priority was, is kind of see what's their feel if I can be on the same page as them. Can I get them what they expect from me? You know, can I exceed here? Now, whenever you were graduating high school, going off to Northern Colorado, did you ever see a future where uh, you yourself would be a Nebraska Cornhusker five years, or I guess four and a half years later? No, honestly, I didn't. You know, when I was the old staff that recruited me in high school with Riley, and they wanted me to walk on, and I had offers, so I was kind of like, you know, I can't put my family in that financial bind. So it was more of a thing like, you know, I'm going to go get my degree for free. Man, UNC gambled on me, I'm going to gamble on them. And, you know, I stayed loyal as long as I could. Now, coming back around, they kind of were more or less like, we missed you once. We don't miss you again. You know, you're from here. You know, it's a different type of pride when you're from here and play for Nebraska. So, that was one of the biggest priorities in recruiting me as well, was just knowing that, like, it's a hometown thing, you know, and uh, they can't let me leave the backyard again. Kevin Williams, Jr. with us. Hail Varsity Radio Signing Day 2021. He's uh, an addition from the portal, a big get for Nebraska. Uh, always need depth and help and talent on that offensive line. Kevin, what was uh, your impression of Coach Raiola? Uh, I love Coach Raiola from what I can tell. I can tell we can get along just fine. We speak a lot of the same language when it comes to techniques and what he expects. It was kind of fun sitting in the O-line room with my family. You know, they never get to see that kind of side of football where you actually sit down and dissect film and talk about techniques or protections and, like, you know, rules and stuff. So sitting there kind of asking what he expected of me and how he's going to teach certain techniques, 
a lot of techniques to kind of teach you what you're expecting. You know, we turn on the film, I kind of do a lot of stuff he wanted, and his culture points perfectly. So I feel like, you know, naturally being able to kind of relate and do what he wants me to do is going to help me a lot in the long haul and accepting feedback and kind of knowing what he wants to, how he wants me to perform. So I'm really looking forward to it, honestly. You know, his brother played in the league for 14 years. You know, he kind of said he'll help me be a, be a mentor for me as well. He's done what I want to do. He's seen what I want to see. Like, I don't know what I don't know. So I'm very excited for the opportunity to come up here and represent, you know, Omaha and play for Nebraska and have my set across my chest. Kevin Williams Jr. with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, Kevin, we've heard a lot about Coach Raiola and how much of a, a technician he is along the offensive line, just knows his stuff, uh, is really good at instilling technique. And you're telling us that whenever he sat down with you recruiting you, he pulled up your film and, and told you how he would help you improve if you came to Nebraska? Definitely, yeah. You know, we sat down up there in Nebraska. We watched the CU game, first few drives. You know, T-Lane, number 54, he's supposed to protect the draft pick. And he had zero hurries, zero rushes against me. Next week he had two sacks and a fumble against Texas A&M. So that kind of helped my name a lot as far as get respect around the country a little bit. So, you know, he was just kind of just nitpicking a little bit, you know, as far as footwork goes and hand placement and punch and kind of where my aim points are and what I'm looking at as far as pre-snap. You know, it was just kind of dope to kind of pick his brain a little bit to see. You know, he came from the league, and he knows what they're looking for, how to evaluate talent and what they expect up there. So if I can exceed his expectations, then I know I can make it as well. So the, the NFL background was, was definitely a selling point for you? Definitely. You know, that's what I want to be. And that's my goal. That's what I'm working to do. I don't want to just make it there. I want to actually play there. So, you know, by doing that, you got to dominate college. And if I can come in and do that and do that in the Big Ten, I dominated the FCS. I played FCS, played well, had a great career on there. So if I can come to the Big Ten and do that as well, then, you know, that sets me up for my future. And, you know, he knows exactly what they're looking for, being an assistant line coach for the Bears. Like, he knows exactly what they're looking for. He helped the Bears turn around their program for the most part, too, over the past five years. So, no, I'm excited to see what he has to say, see his perspective and hear him out and uh, apply his coaching points. Kevin, what do you think about your own game? Uh, A, give me somebody you model your game after, and then B, give me what you need to improve upon, what you want to work on over the next nine months to, to get on the field in the fall and be more like that person you want to become. I watch a lot of Trent Williams, Quentin Nelson, you know, Taylor Lawrence. Really, you know, anybody in the league for the most part, you know, DB Sport, you got all the NFL games. So sometimes I'll just turn on like Raider film or San Francisco film or even Dallas film and just watch all positions kind of to see what I like and don't like, kind of see if I can apply a couple of points I've had in the past and kind of just, you know, compare and contrast how to emulate them because you know, they can pay millions to do what I want to do. For me, my biggest thing is I got to keep staying consistent with pad level. Sometimes I get tired and I get a little bit high on my pad level in the run game. Sometimes, you know, my footwork can get slapped if I get tired because trying to get focused on killing so much. So I think he helped me out. he'll help me out a lot as far as staying calm and being, you know, controlled aggression throughout the game. Uh, you know, just you know, we're winning the line of scrimmage. You can't have bad hat placement, bad hand placement. All it takes is one snap to lose. So I want to make sure I'm more consistent with that because, you know, when I'm fresh, I feel like I do it pretty consistent. Is when I get tired when you get tired as well. So make sure, make sure my conditions up the floor where I don't get tired and I can keep my fat level low and stay aggressive. Kevin, we'll do this again. Thanks for giving us a couple of minutes. Congrats on your day. Thank you. All right, Kevin Williams, Jr., uh, transfer in from Northern Colorado. Omaha North, dude, uh, could be big time for that Nebraska offensive line.
And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. It's the best of Hale Varsity Radio today on a Tuesday. And we will wrap up hour one of a best of, as uh, we heard from Ron Brown, Jack Pierce, and Kevin Williams. Well, we'll wrap it up here with Greg Smith. Greg sat down with us yesterday discussing the commitment of Maverick Noonan, as well as the chase for Lincoln East standout Malachi Coleman. Recruiting insider Greg Smith with us to wrap up hour one of a best of Hale Varsity Radio. Find him on Twitter at Greg Smith HV. And Greg, uh, it's uh, good to get caught up with you. It, it almost feels like this this Maverick Noonan commitment was a little bit out of nowhere. So we're going to spend a, a few minutes on it, but it feels big in terms of uh, Nebraska locking up the, the in-state class of 2023, correct? Yeah, it, it was an interesting one, right? Because on one hand, it was the timing of it was out of nowhere, but the the kind of the momentum was there for Mav to pick Nebraska, um, and kind of like Steve Warren outlined in the video I did with him on Hill Varsity YouTube channel this weekend, the momentum was there for Nebraska, um, especially once Maverick canceled that Iowa visit. Um, you knew he wanted to take at least one visit, and he took that visit out to or other visit, and he took that visit out to Stanford, um, and it was a couple of weeks weekends ago, and he enjoyed it, but at the end of the day, Nebraska was home, and so the momentum was there for Nebraska, but the timing, um, especially on a Friday night, uh, caught people maybe a little bit off guard, but you're right, it is a huge deal for Nebraska to continue locking up um, this talented 23 group in state, and he's a huge piece. I think the, I think most, the most important piece um, in this in-state crop just because of the position that he plays. Greg Smith is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Greg, tell us a little bit about how he's going to slot in to this defense. Where does Eric Shenander want him playing? And I mean, just what, what kind of positional need is there for, for Maverick Noon within this defense? Yeah, so every every recruiting cycle, I feel like we talk about edge rushers, right, and guys that can set the edge, play the edge, also get after the quarterback. That's always um, the top priority, so much so that you don't even list it when you, when you ask at the beginning of the cycle, what are the top three? We always just say, oh, yeah, edge is, is top, but beyond that, there's, you know, and then we list them off. So it's really important to continue to land those guys, especially when those guys are right in your backyard, um, to, to get them on the team. Now, what Nebraska has told Maverick um, is that they, they see him as kind of a Garrett Nelson type as the same type of position. So what you see Garrett Nelson doing out there on Saturdays now where he's got his hand in the dirt sometimes, sometimes he's standing up coming off of the edge, but he can play both the run and the pass equally as well. Um, that's what Nebraska wants Maverick Noonan to end up turning into. And if they get that from Maverick, um, then they've got themselves a pretty good football player, right? Yeah, Greg, Maverick Noonan's commitment leaves us with really one high-level athlete in Nebraska that still remains uncommitted. That is uh, Lincoln East's Malachi Coleman. And in terms of Nebraska pulling out all the stops, I don't feel like I've seen a recruitment like this uh, since Thomas Fedoni from a couple of years ago. And I remember just about every single week we had Gian back when Fedoni was still uncommitted. We had a, a little Fedoni watch uh, that we had to get uh, updated on. Do you, do you think that's what the, the, the same theme is going to be here this fall with Malachi Coleman? Are we going to start doing a, a, a Coleman watch every single week? I do feel like we're trending in that direction. And there's really – there's only been two of those – Really, like I feel like the Fedoni thing was a big one. Wandale Robinson that year uh, that he was kind of being recruited. We got the, the Wandale watch um, each week, right? I think mm-hmm. that kicked things off. But I do think that we're heading towards Coleman watch. He is still kind of remain steady that he wants to decide in December, um, right around side, right around the early signing period. Um, it'll be interesting to see where he takes those official visits during the fall because I should note that he did not end up taking another official visit anywhere this summer. So Nebraska was the only one, obviously. 
obviously he's down the street, so he can come over to Nebraska this season for a game day at any time without much hassle, right? Um, and so seeing if he pops up for an unofficial will be big as well. Um, and then seeing him dominate on Friday nights, right? I think that, yeah, people are going to be very invested in what's going on over at Lincoln East with the Spartans this year. The voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. We uh, welcome in legendary Hall of Fame coach Tom Osborne with us, of course, teammates mentoring. Coach, uh, we'll, we'll dive into day by, day by day in just a moment. The wind has died down a little bit. I want to know if you're catching any fish. Well, I've been out a little bit. Uh, nothing exotic, uh, <laughs> but a few ponds uh, locally, and crappies are biting. Bass pretty slow yet. The water's still cold. So, yeah, I've been out a little bit. Crappie season, that, that makes me think of going crappie fishing with my grandfather. And he was out in uh, in by McCook, and, and he caught a lot of fish uh, in his time. Any special way you prepare crappie? No, I just fillet them and uh, usually uh, fry them or bake them, either way. But they are good. Crappies are one of the better fish to eat, along with walleyes. And, and, but I always like trout salmon, too, so... Hmm. I guess I kind of a fish eating fan. So Tom Osborne's with us. Well, how do you feel as May approaches with Day by Day, the two part documentary on Nebraska football? You've been a bit a part of it. A number of your your players have been a part of it. Do you feel excited? What's your emotion as this thing uh, is near airing? Well, uh, you know, I've I've done some interviews for uh, uh, Josh Davis and the folks that have put it together. I know a lot of players have have done many many interviews. I think they've got a good product. I can't say that I've seen every bit of it. But the main thing that I think comes across is that uh, during the era of the 90s, those players uh, have, have had thoughts and they went through experiences, many of many of which uh, I was not privy to. And so it's been kind of interesting to get their take on things and, and, uh, and also maybe to see a little bit more of what their life has been like since, what they've become. So it's been interesting to me uh, to participate in the process. And I think that uh, it probably gives fans a pretty good flavor of, uh, of a lot of things that went on behind the scenes. Uh, a lot of people, uh, and of course, it's been long enough now that maybe there's a lot of people in Nebraska that aren't really aware of that area of the 90s, era of the 90s, even those who did live through it, I think would get a lot of insight into uh, the lives of some of the players, what they went through, and, and what their experiences were like. Tom Osborne's with us, Hale Varsity Radio, day by day. The documentary, uh, two-part documentary, uh, airs. That'll air Friday the 13th of May uh, down at the Rococo Theater, uh, daybydaymovie.coms, where you can log on, purchase tickets to, to see. And uh, I remember seeing the... Uh, 
the trailer of it at halftime of this year's spring game, and it garnered lots of oohs and ahs from the the 50,000-plus on site to watch uh, Nebraska's spring game just a couple weekends ago. The the first half, Coach Osborne, is titled The Rise, the build-up to to what became the best run in college football history, 60-3. and From a recruiting and a development standpoint, Coach, did you think you were were poised to, to put a pretty good run together? Well, I think a, a lot of things came together. It was uh, sort of a, the perfect storm uh, in terms of a good coaching staff that had been together a long time. And then uh, a little bit of fortuitous uh, recruiting. You had uh, Tommy Frazier being a part of that. A lot of a lot of really great players, offensive linemen like Zach Wiegert and Aaron Taylor and, and on and on. And uh, and then some, some excellent uh, running back. We had talent. And then the thing that that I think may be of interest to people was that uh, the, the team chemistry uh, seemed to be extraordinary. They're, the uh, players were willing to make great sacrifice and uh, and to not be egocentric. And uh, so uh, it was probably the most unified team the teams that, that I ever had anything to do with. And uh, and I'd have to say that Jack Stark, our uh, team sports psychologist, was part of that. They created a unity council, which was helpful. We, we developed great leadership from within the team. And as a result, my, my job as a coach in some ways was easier than it ever had been uh, simply because the players really uh, took responsibility and, and accountability and kept everything going in the the right direction so they they knew what they were about they knew what they wanted to do and they were willing to lay it on the line every day and uh, so it was uh, it was a unique time and a unique period and i think that um, it will be of interest to a lot of fans to, to kind of get a more of a behind the scenes look at what, what went on during that period of time a few minutes here tom osborne with us hail varsity radio hall of fame coach day by day the movie on uh, nebraska and the champion run coming out in May. Daybyday.com is where you can log on and, and get your movie tickets. And of course, teammates uh, mentoring. Uh, we'll get uh, there in a moment, Coach, just with all the positive impact you've had on so many kids in, uh, well, around the country, quite honestly. You mentioned selflessness and kind of that attitude. Is that a, is that a personality trait you looked at in recruiting or was it part of that chemistry once players got to Lincoln that, okay, this was this was our locker room climate they bought in. Well, naturally, you, you try to, uh, in recruiting, make sure that you're not going to be recruiting uh, people that are going to be divisive. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of hard to determine. Uh, you know, you, you're not to recruits individually, and, of course, they're not usually going to show all, all aspects of their personality. You, you tend to get a feel from talking to their high school coaches and and maybe interacting with them a little bit in the presence of their, their family. And if there would be a red flag that would uh, come up, then sometimes we would back off. But that that selection process is is really imperfect. And, and so recruiting is a little bit like throwing darts. <laughs> and um, I think that the main thing that had to do with team chemistry was – something that developed during that period of time within the team and, and team leadership. And uh, we, uh, we had some, uh, some guys that uh, weren't going to let things slip. And 
probably a pretty good example of that was uh, I remember in 1996 we had what was a bad <laughs> it wasn't a bad year we were 11 and two and we won the Orange Bowl but uh, and Grant Wistrom and Jason Peter both appeared to be first round picks in the NFL and they came in to, to see me at the end of that season and uh, he said uh, and, I, and I thought they were going to tell me they were going to declare for the draft and uh, they said well you know coach we lost two games this year and I said yeah I, I remember that and uh, they said well uh, we didn't think that was very good and I said well I, I agree they said we're going to we're going to come back and uh, we're going to win them all and uh, and so it was uh, that kind of attitude that uh, those guys uh, could have been hurt as seniors and never played again and uh, but uh, as it was uh, they they came back and they were really instrumental in providing leadership uh, for that team and 1997, we did go undefeated, and we did end up tying for the national championship. But without those two guys and without the attitude that they displayed, uh, probably uh, would would not have been the same team. And uh, and so it wasn't just uh, Jason and Grant; it was a lot of other players that really had a similar attitude. And uh, and that's kind of rare. And today, uh, today's game of football uh, or basketball or whatever I don't think you'd see that and uh, so anyway it was uh, it was a special time and unique group of players Tom Osborne's with us Hale Varsity Radio coach if you were coaching today how would you navigate handle deal with the portal well I I really I don't know. Uh, the, uh, the difficult thing right now is you have unrestricted free agency in college uh, football, and uh, you don't have that in, in professional sports because there's a contract, and you can pretty well be assured that at least 90% of your team is going to be back next year, whereas in college sports, uh, you have absolutely no guarantee that anybody will be back the next year. And uh, so it's uh, it's got to be very uncomfortable for coaches and very hard to manage. And uh, sometimes uh, people leave really late in the process, in the recruiting process, at a time when you really can't go out and, and try to fill those scholarships that are vacated at the last minute. And uh, so it's become very chaotic. And... Uh, and I think most people in athletics realize that uh, something's going to have to change or, or else the instability will be pretty much overwhelming. <clears throat> the other thing that has happened, of course, is that in professional sports, you have a salary cap. So uh, each team is allowed to spend the same amount of money and, uh, and there is no salary cap in uh, NIL mm-hmm. so you're going to have some teams that will uh, have NIL money that run into the 20-30 million range and some that maybe are not able to raise more than a million or two million dollars or maybe not even that and so you're going to have a uh, built-in disparity 
in, in competitive balance. And uh, so uh, I'm not, I don't know if the NCAA will survive in, in terms of, uh, of the way things are run right now with the Power Five conferences. And uh, so anyway, there's a lot of things in flux and uh, it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. But any, any coach today has got to be very uncomfortable with the situation. Coach, uh, I thought on Coach Frost is is he's going into year five. Uh, some changes on his offensive staff as uh, you look forward to year five for for Coach Frost and a couple of names you're familiar with that, that are additions. Uh, Arriola, uh, one that was at Wisconsin. Uh, of course, uh, Bill Bush back in Lincoln and and Mickey Joseph. Uh, you know, we didn't see a lot on a spring football Saturday, but some changes. And it sounds like there's some uh, some uh, some confidence, some optimism here for next season. Yeah, I've, uh, I've had some conversation with Mickey uh, Joseph and uh, Mickey seems to be doing an excellent job, both coaching and recruiting. Uh, Rayola, I had not known before, but I've met with him a couple times, uh, just casual conversation. But it seems like uh, he's doing really well, and that their uh, offensive line uh, did well this year. And uh, and then, uh, of course, a uh, new, new offensive coordinator, mm-hmm. new running back coach. I don't know those guys as well, but. Uh, I think Scott is pleased with the changes that have occurred and feels somewhat energized. And so hopefully uh, hopefully it'll be a, a good year coming forward. But the one thing that does appear obvious is that the uh, schedule is not going to be quite as difficult. It doesn't mean it's easy, and, and you, you can never take anything for granted. But last year it was really brutal. And uh, and the thing that was, was kind of remarkable was – there, there were no blowouts. Uh, uh, every game was competitive right up to the end of the fourth quarter. And uh, so that's why I thought it was really important that Scott have another year because uh, uh, the, the scoreboard, the final scoreboard and the final total of wins and losses was not what anyone would, would desire. The, the general level of play was better than what the uh, – record would indicate coach uh, last thought what's happening with you and, and teammates and uh, you had such a positive impact for so many years with uh, with kids in, in Nebraska but also as teammates has branched out uh, around the country and uh, I know it's near and dear to your heart well it's uh, the last uh, couple of years have been uh, difficult to navigate because of the uh, school closures mm-hmm. where so many kids were doing remote learning and we were able to adjust and develop a, a, a portal where uh, mentoring could occur online. And then it ended up being about 60% in person and about 40% over the internet. And uh, that's never quite desirable. But we uh, have pretty well weathered that storm, made some adjustments, and we currently have uh, right at 190 uh, school districts that we're in in five states, and, of course, the majority in Nebraska, about 145 uh, chapters in Nebraska, about 
25 in Iowa, about 11 or 12 in Kansas, about seven or eight in South Dakota, and four in Wyoming. So we continue to grow, and uh, things are, are going well. And uh, have a new uh, CEO, Des Moines Adams, who was a defensive uh, end for Nebraska back in the uh, in the early uh, 2000s, and he's done a great job. And so uh, we think things are on a, on a very good trajectory right now. Coach Tom Osborne with us. Coach, when you go see this movie, are you going popcorn or candy or both? <laughs> well, I don't know. I, uh, I'll i probably just stay there and uh, I'll probably learn a lot of things that I really didn't know because uh, <laughs> there will be a lot of comments come out of the players' mouths that I was not privy to. So I'll, uh, it'll be interesting to watch. Coach, you take care. Thanks for the time today. Okay. Thanks for having me. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. We continue on with a Tuesday best of edition of Hale Varsity Radio as we look back at some of the best interviews over the past months and years of Hale Varsity Radio. Schmitty currently on the way back home from North Carolina where he is fresh off accepting his award for 2021 Nebraska Sportscaster of the Year. So congratulations are in order to Schmitty. We'll hear from him about his weekend tomorrow, 4 to 6, a Wednesday edition of Hale Varsity Radio. We've had a good best of so far. Ron Brown, Jack Pierce, Kevin Williams, and Greg Smith back in hour one. We just heard from Tom Osborne, or sit down with Tom back in April as he discussed the day-by-day documentary. That is good stuff from Tom. We're about ready for uh, two segments with Nebraska legend as well as San Francisco 49ers legend Tom Rathman as Tom sat down with us before the Super Bowl between the Rams and the Bengals just a couple of months ago. And uh, we'll go two segments here with Tom Rathman. Enjoy. It's the best of Hale Varsity Radio. Back in, it's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. It's Husker Super Bowl week, and we say hi to Husker Hall of Famer, 49er Hall of Famer, two-time Super Bowl champ, uh, Tom Rathman, standout fullback with us. Coach, uh, how's the, uh, the week been? Uh, what's this do for you memory-wise? Uh, we're on the doorstep. Well, everything's going really well, so can't complain about that. Uh, been changing some diapers, so that's uh, kind of interesting. But, uh, you know, just anytime you get to this time of the season and you're still alive, you know, there's some excitement, you know. And, you know, the 49ers had a chance to get in, you know, if they would have won that wild card game, or excuse me, the championship game. But uh, fell a little bit short, so uh, it looks like it's going to be the Rams and uh, Cincinnati. So should be a good matchup. I want to go back to the diapers here. Explain that to us. Now, I was adequate at diaper changing, although I got uh, I got drenched a few times by Junior way back in the day. Uh, mm-hmm. What's that, what's the that, diaper that duty about? Yet to me. Okay. Pardon me. I said, well, explain so, the diaper duty to me. <laughs> well, my uh, middle daughter had uh, uh, a baby boy in September. He's about five months old, so. Uh, We've uh, been able to be fortunate enough to be able to uh, interact with him, you know, even though that we've got this COVID thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's been nice, you know, being retired and, you know, not having anything pulling on me and pulling me away from it. And uh, 
so that's kind of what I've been doing here uh, recently, just, you know, diaper changes and uh, feeding the baby and burping the baby and doing all that good stuff that you need to do. Well, good for you. That's that's awesome. Mm-hmm. It's been about a year since you, you retired from Indy, and uh, you got mm-hmm. a little grandchild in your life. That's awesome. How's, how's retirement been for you? It's been good. You know, I, I can honestly say that uh, I really don't miss it, to be honest with you, after, you know, doing it for 31 years, going in every day and, you know, and just the tedious work that you have to do and uh, the time consumption that it requires. Uh, it's kind of been nice just to be free from that. Tom Rathman's with us at Hale Varsity. Coach, what do you remember about the Super Bowl uh, your experience, and you were part of one of now uh, two matchups with, with Cincinnati. It's in Cincinnati going to their third Super Bowl, but you were in a mm-hmm. classic down in Miami, and then mm-hmm. you guys crushed Denver, much to Elijah's chagrin, my producer and co-host. He's a, he's a Denver guy. Mm-hmm. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> your experience, you, you not only uh, got to experience wins, that ultimate championship, but you, uh, you played a big part in both of them. Uh, no question about it. And, you know, the first one, uh, Super Bowl twenty three, the one that was in Miami when we played Cincinnati, I mean, we drove the ball down. I think we had three minutes left, three minutes and eight seconds left. It was a two-minute operation. We got got the ball moving up and down the field and uh, uh, finally punched in uh, Montana to John Taylor uh, for the victory. So I would say, you know, that was probably one of the best things that ever happened to me because, you know, going into your first Super Bowl, that's, your, that's the biggest game that I played in, you know. Uh, that was the ultimate goal was to try to get to that Super Bowl and obviously win the Super Bowl. But, uh, you know, at that time, you know, it was just huge, uh, bigger than you would know. And uh, to be able to come back and uh, uh, win that game in the fashion that we did uh, and then not only do it once but do it back-to-back and, uh, you know, having a 27-3 to lead at halftime in that second one, if you recall, against uh, uh, Denver, uh, it was – that was awesome too because we were celebrating at halftime. I know you shouldn't be, but uh, we had so much confidence, you know, that year in 89 that uh, I don't think anybody was going to beat us on that day. Tom Rathman's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, Tom, that, that hurts my heart to hear. Um, but luckily it was a little bit before my time. I know I know that really ripped the, the soul out of my dad, that Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we apologize to him, so, you know. I'll, I'll pass that along. I'm, I'm sure you'll appreciate Good. that. <laughs> Good. Um, but, but I just want to ask about this this Super Bowl experience as a whole. It's it's the pinnacle of, of sports in America. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to get your take on a, a guy in Joe Burrow who's only in his second NFL season coming off uh, an, an ACL injury last season. Now he's at the pinnacle of the sports. What do you think his emotions are like going into this game? And what should your emotions be like as you head into this Super Bowl? Well, like I said, it's 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 the biggest game that – he's going to face right now, you know, I mean, I know he's been in national championship games. I know he won the Heisman, but when you talk about the pinnacle of uh, football and that being winning the Super Bowl, 
uh, you know, he has that opportunity, and there is no game bigger than this one that he's going to play. I don't think there's ever going to be a bigger game for him, him, you know, in in that manner because, you know, it's his first Super Bowl, his opportunity to reach that uh, uh, pinnacle and uh, come out on top, and there's nothing like it. And then it, I, I would tell you this, it was, it's a lot easier the second time. <laughs> as opposed to the first. And uh, you just want to capitalize on your opportunities is really what it's all about because it's so hard to get to that game. Um, you know, it's it's not an easy game to get to, to get to that Super Bowl. Winning that championship, uh, AFC, NFC championship game, uh, that's a tough game to win. And I played in many uh, championship games and came out on the short end. Uh, you know, I was fortunate to uh, go to three Super Bowls, two as a player and one as a coach. Uh, we got beat by Baltimore um, uh, in um, uh, New Orleans uh, on my third one as a coach. And, uh, you know, that's the worst feeling that you can ever have, you know, getting to the Super Bowl and losing. But, uh, you know, I was 2-0 and as a player and 0-1 as a coach and, you know, I was just really grateful that I was able to have those opportunities and uh, be able to capitalize on the ones that I played in. Tom Rathman with this few minutes here of Varsity Radio, Husker Super Bowl week. Want to go back to that that Super Bowl uh, when you were on Harbaugh's staff, and there was mm-hmm. some dancing going on with with Harbaugh, and, and maybe heading back to the NFL. He's returned to Michigan, and Jim had a great season for Michigan. And, uh-huh. and he and he decided to stay and, and you know there was a shot maybe he was gonna end up uh, you know back in the NFL but what uh, what was that like what was that experience like uh, working with Jim because I know you guys I think played against each other in the Fiesta Bowl uh, we did yeah. yeah he was a Michigan quarterback you know we ended up losing that game uh, and um, one thing I remember about Michigan. Uh, their football team was their DBs, man. They came up and they would stick you. Yeah. I mean, they were hard hitters. Uh, but uh, they had a great program at that time. They ended up beating us. Obviously, Jim is, you know, one of the great players of all time in Michigan football. Uh, so uh, to be able to hook up with him, you know, in the pros as a, as a uh, companion, you know, on the coaching staff, uh, I mean, it was pretty special. You know, that first year we had uh, in 2011, that was Jim's first year, we went to the NFC Championship game, and uh, we got beat uh, by the, the Giants, and they went on to uh, a capture the Super Bowl championship. But uh, that was one of the greatest years that I've ever been around. I mean, there, it was like, you know, we had run off nine straight wins in a row, uh, headed into the playoffs, got to the championship game. Uh, questionable calls, you know, at the end there. Ahmad Bradshaw ended up fumbling, you know, in their territory, uh, ruled him down. Uh, they ended up beating us, but it was, that was the, the series right there that if we'd have got that ball, we probably would have won that football game and uh, would have been able to go uh, to the Super Bowl in 2011, but we didn't. Uh, and that's the way it goes sometimes. That's the way the ball bounces. But, uh, I mean, it was pretty special to be able to be on his staff and to be able to work with him and to see how intense he is, you know, just about football. I mean, that, Jim Harbaugh, I mean, his mind is always, you know, 
thinking about how you're going to get better, how you're going to generate something that's going to create an advantage for you. That's just the way he works, and uh, it's no wonder why he's successful. I think about those Niners teams where you're going to the NFC title game every year and then you break through to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And, and, not, right. and not only were you guys really good, but you made a change. You went from Alex Smith to Kaepernick, and that pistol mm-hmm. offense you guys had, mm-hmm. I mean, with Cap running it, was, was incredible, yeah. that dual threat ability. Yeah. Yeah, we kind of knew that was going to be a weapon in our back pocket. To be honest with you, I remember Greg Roman, who was the offensive coordinator that year, you know, he said something to me at the beginning of the season. He says, hey, you know, I got something, you know, later in the season that we're going to pull out, and, you know, I think it's going to be really good, and it was that pistol offense. And uh, to be able to run out of that, I mean, teams didn't know how to handle it because they hadn't seen it before in the NFL. And... uh there were some teams, and one in particular was Green Bay, um, and that was in the playoff game, I want to say, uh, but they had no answer for it. And I have never seen uh, a pro football team not be able to make adjustments on the sideline in a game to turn it around. And uh, it was just something that popped up and – you know the league had a tough time handling handling it originally. So, but we had so many things that year. I remember talking to coordinators, defensive coordinators, head coaches, and they say, "Wow, you guys have so much stuff. How do you get that stuff wrapped?" You know, we had so such a big glossary of uh, uh, run game, mm-hmm. and uh, you know it wasn't in every week, but. Uh, uh, people just question on how we got it wrapped in practice, but uh, we didn't have a tough time doing it. Well, I mean, we had a lot of reps in practice, did, doing a lot of walkthroughs, and I think that's where the most important thing is in your walkthroughs. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Tom Rathman's with us on Hale Varsity. Coach, a uh, thought here on on Sunday here, not asking you for a prediction, but you've seen both teams, uh-huh. Cincinnati and, of course, the Rams here. Uh, who's got the advantage here, at least on paper, in your mind? Well, I mean, I mean, when you look at it, I mean, you look at player for player, I mean, there's no question about who should win. The Rams should win. I mean, they went all in, mm-hmm. you know, acquiring, acquiring Stafford, you know, giving up draft picks, uh, Vaughn Miller, uh, Aaron Donald. I mean, they've got great players both on offense and defense. Uh, so there's no question who who should win. But, I mean, that's not how football works. Mm-hmm. Just because you got better people on paper doesn't mean that you're going to win football games. Uh, so, I mean, when you look at it, I mean, those guys that had a tough time beating uh, San Francisco, I mean, there was the last six games, they got beat by San Francisco. Well, they ended up beating them in a playoff game. I uh, didn't think that was going to happen once San Francisco went up by 10. Uh, but they were able to pull it out during the Super Bowl. That's what they uh, made all those uh, moves for, acquiring all that talent was to get to the Super Bowl and to win the Super Bowl. So they're all in. Uh, but that, like I said, that doesn't mean anything just because it's on paper. But uh, 
I've been very impressed with uh, uh, the quarterback of Cincinnati. I mean, obviously, uh, he's done some great things. Being, you know, in that game in his second year, you know, I went to my third year in the league uh, in 87, uh, or 88, excuse me. Uh, so uh, to be able to hit that game and have an opportunity uh, that early in your career, you know, really says a lot. And, uh, you know, he just has to take it one snap at a time. And like I said, I mean, he's going to uh, experience something that he's never experienced before. Because, I mean, when you get into that game, the games that I think later in the evening, you know, prime time, you're sitting around all day on Sunday and they're just waiting for that game. And then you get to the stadium and then there's so much waiting, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. before the game. And then at the halftime, the halftime is a lot longer. Uh, there are some things that uh, these guys haven't uh, been able to see uh, throughout their careers if they haven't uh, been in a, a Super Bowl before. So hopefully it won't distract them and they'll look be able to overcome it but uh, just understand this it's the year of the tiger <laughs> all right no. it's the year of the tiger <sighs> well you know there's a lot of nebraska connections with with cincinnati with zach sure. taylor and, mm-hmm. and stanley morgan and and, and coach uh, walters so i i get your mm-hmm. hint tom rathman with us coach who was who was the leader on those 49er teams and who kept you guys calm or grounded was was there a was did it come from from walsh or was it a player that was that was kind of uh the one guy everyone rallied around well i think i think it was the players in general because a lot of those players had been to two super bowls prior sure you know back in 81 and 84 um you know joe montana uh, roger craig had been to a previous super bowl he wasn't there in 81 but uh uh, there were some players there that had two Super Bowls under their belt, and uh, they both winners. And uh, just the experience of the older players really helped us out too. And that's something that neither one of these two teams are going to have mm-hmm. in that locker room. So, and when I talk about all that time you have to spend in that uh, locker room, and you have to just wait, uh, you have to keep your composure. Uh, if you recall. Uh, even going back to uh, when we played Baltimore, when I was with Jim Harbaugh, and we went. The lights went out. Do you remember that? Yeah, the power, the power failure. And, uh, yeah, the power went out. So geez, we were like a half hour sitting there on the sideline waiting for the game to go. So uh, uh, you, you don't think that that hits you? Uh, but uh, it really helped us, to be honest with you, because we were getting our butts beat. Uh, <laughs> we were down by several scores coming out at in the third quarter and what do they do i think they return the first uh, kickoff return back for a touchdown <laughs> so and to be able to battle back into that game and you know have an opportunity to win it you know you're four shots down in the uh, red zone there in in the plus five and all four were passes and couldn't get it in the end zone and you know ultimately cost us the game so uh you know it's it's, it's there's a lot of things that uh, can get you if you're not used to it. 
Tom Rathman, Husker Hall of Famer, uh, 49er Hall of Famer, uh, 31 years in the NFL as a player and coach. Coach Rathman, last thought, and it's awesome to catch up with you again. We love uh, spending a few minutes with you. Husker football, a bit of a retooled uh, staff here on offense, but uh, some big hopes here for, for year five with Coach Frost. Have you followed Nebraska much? Not when I was coaching, to gotcha. be honest with you. Too busy. There just wasn't the time. I mean, I'm always uh, working on something. But was able to uh, see them a little bit this last year, so watched them. Uh, they were in a lot of games, a lot of close games, but uh, uh, some of them didn't come out the right way. But uh, And then was able to go back. Uh, I think I went to the Purdue, uh, Purdue game. Uh, so I was able to get back to that game. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think they're headed on the right track. You know, he had uh, he made some changes on his staff, and hopefully that will improve uh, the team, uh, what they're trying to get accomplished. Uh, but, uh, you know, ultimately it's up to the players. Mm-hmm. I mean, the players have to go out and play the football game. And, uh, you know, it's, it's such a big uh, thing with recruiting. Uh, so hard to recruit. I mean, the great recruiters are the ones that usually have the good teams. And uh, I, I just know that uh, speaking to other coaches, that the recruiting process has become tough. It's tough to get kids to come to your schools. Tom, before we get you out of here, I just want to pass it along. My dad accepts your apology and says it wasn't your fault okay. that the Broncos turned it over five times. He scored a few times, okay. though. I mean, he helped pour a little salt in. Well, I'll tell you what, that ring that we got for that year, man, that was the sweetest ring. You know what I'm saying? Oh, it would just tell you, Dad, I'm really proud of it. It's probably even better than the 88 years. Well, if you got a picture of it, if you got a picture. It's got, it's got another diamond. It's got, it's got four diamonds instead of three you got a big pic- diamonds too well we're gonna find a picture of it or, or snap a picture of it if it's handy and we'll send yeah. it to elijah's dad send it to my phone yeah. and we'll go there yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sure he'll appreciate that'll that. be that'll be a, a, a prize for him then <laughs> what what could have been <laughs> coach you take care and, and enjoy your super bowl okay all right have a good day guys i appreciate the opportunity Good to hear from Tom Rathman on a best of edition of Hale Varsity Radio. If you're just joining us, you're not crazy. We're talking about some events of the past as we're recapping the top uh, interviews that we have conducted here on Hale Varsity over the past weeks, months, and years. Tom Rathman, that was good stuff. The past two segments with Tom, and that's been a fully loaded show today. Ron Brown, Jack Pierce, Kevin Williams, Tom Osborne, two full segments with Tom Rathman. These are some of the best interviews we have conducted over the past couple of months, and we're excited to share them again with you. Again, a reminder, we'll be back with a normal show tomorrow. Schmidt will be back from North Carolina. I'll be in. We'll talk with Mike Babcock, Mike Schuhart, and get a jock doc interview with the doctors over at Nebraska Orthopedic. All that coming your way tomorrow. But we got to wrap up a best of Hale Varsity Radio. We'll do that coming up after the break as uh, you're listening to Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Wrapping up 
a Tuesday best of show as we've been taking you through some of the best interviews that we've had here on Hale Varsity Radio over the past weeks, months, and years. Ron Brown, Jack Pierce, Kevin Williams, Tom Osborne, and Tom Rathman all a part of the best of show today. And remember, if you missed any of the show today, you can catch it in podcast form. That is Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, as well as the Hale Varsity YouTube page. And uh, maybe a little delayed in getting it up today, but we're going to get this best of Hale Varsity Radio posted for you. Uh, we know how many of you love listening to this show in podcast form, not just in Nebraska, but around the country. And man, do we live to serve you. So we will get that posted for you and you can check out some of the best interviews wherever you are in the great country uh, that we live in, as uh, well as across the state. We know uh, not everyone available from that four to six time slot. So uh, check us out your morning drive, something to listen to at work the day after we post it your evening commute uh, whatever you want to do uh, we want uh, to give you all the ways possible to listen to hail varsity radio so again spotify google play apple podcast the hail varsity youtube page a lot of great options and then on a normal day we'll also post our daily interviews on espnlincoln.com uh, you go navigate yourself to the podcast tab and check out hail varsity on demand that is where you can check out our best interviews of the day. Also, uh, follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Twitter. Uh, it is at ESPN Lincoln. Uh, there you can check out live streams that we do, uh, which we'll usually get a, a couple posted on a weekly basis. So uh, you can follow along live as well as our SoundCloud postings, the two-minute drill, the best segments uh, in two-minute forms uh, from the show each day. You can check that out posted daily on Twitter and uh, the Hale Varsity Radio SoundCloud page. You can check that out as well. Before we get you out of here today, I want to give a big thank you to Will Wilson, who is running the board for this best of Hale Varsity Radio. Schmitty on the road back from North Carolina. I am out on the baseball fields umpiring at the moment. This segment pre-recorded from this morning. So got to give a big thank you to Will Wilson, who uh, stepped up and uh, board opt for the show today and took you through this best of hail verse. You know, you've been hearing my voice, but it's been Will who's been making this show work today. Before we let you go, got to get you a reminder that nearly 70% of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska are not wearing a seatbelt. If used properly, a seatbelt can reduce the risk of fatal injury by up to 60%. So your best defense in any crash is to buckle up a message brought to you by the Nebraska department of transportation highway safety office. And let's let you know what's on on deck for you over the next couple days. As I told you, Schmitty will be back in for a Wednesday edition of Hale Varsity Radio tomorrow. We'll uh, chat with Mike Babcock, Mike Schuhart, and uh, we'll sit down uh, with one of the great doctors over at Nebraska Orthopedic as a part of your Wednesday at Jock Doc to discuss uh, some injuries going down in the world of sports and uh, get the doctor's professional opinion on that. Thursday. We'll have uh, Gary Barnett joining us as well as the Pride of Chicago, Danny Burke, getting you the best pets for the weekend. And Friday, as always, we'll have Bill Dolman leading off hour two. That's what's coming your way. We'll also have a Saturday morning show as uh, 7 to 9 here locally on ESPN Lincoln. That'll be your show you can listen to throughout your 4th of July weekend. No show next Monday for the 4th of July, and then we'll be back uh, for a four-day week next week beginning on Tuesday. That's what's coming your way, but thanks for joining us here today on a best-of edition of Hail Varsity Radio. Promise we'll get back to uh, the normal, regularly scheduled Hail Varsity Radio tomorrow when Schmitty makes his return from North Carolina 4 to 6 tomorrow. That's when we'll talk to you again, so thanks for tuning in today.
A Huda Media Production.